0: Lord, help us, Father, to order this class in our hearts to where we will be receptive to your word and we will be mindful of the enormous, majestic name above all names, Lord, that is yours. And you are the king of the universe, and we thank you, Lord, that we can be a part of your kingdom, which is coming, and we can be a part of your will, which shall be done. And we thank you, Lord, for everything, for physical healing, for what Chuck's praying for, about the sore on his leg, For what Garland mentioned about how messed up things are in Washington, Lord, we know that you have no problem with our problems, as big as they may seem. And for our sensitivity, Lord, to people whose hearts are hungering in this time of confusion. And what a mess we have in our world, Lord. We pray you'd help us to be sensitive, Lord, to those that are responding to the leading and the drawing of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, prepare our hearts, Lord, that we would receive with meekness, this truth from your engrafted word. In Jesus' name, we agree together. Amen. Amen. Now, we're supposed to do the third psalm and the 13th psalm today. I don't know that we're going to get into the 13th much, except that I, I, I do want to read it because the th- themes are similar. But before we read the third psalm, I thought it would be helpful. Uh, you don't have to turn back to Second Samuel chapter 15 and 16, but I wanted to uh, just read some of the background it's fascinating when we see the background of what some of these Bible authors were going through, in this case David. This was a situation with Absalom. Everybody remembers Absalom? Does anybody here remember uh, Lester Roloff? Lester Roloff was a Baptist preacher down in Corpus. He, he died for over 40 years ago in a plane, plane crash. But uh, Lester, he, he was, he was a, he's what we call a fighting fundy. I mean, he was a fighting fundamentalist and I mean, he'd pick a fight with a telephone pole. Uh, but but he, he, he was just, he loved the Lord. Oh, he supremely loved the Lord. And he had a, a homespun country boy way of uh, bringing out Bible truth. And talking about Absalom, and if you're familiar with the Bible history, we're not getting into how he died. But Absalom was riding on a mule, and he had his long hair that got caught in the a, in a, in branches of a tree, and the mule went on. And that was uh, Lester Roloff's uh, message, and the mule went on. And, uh, and he called Absalom the Bible's first hippie because he had long hair and his hair got caught in the branches of a tree and the mule just kept going and was dangling there and then Joab came and, and run a spear through him. So, but this is the guy, Absalom, that we're considering uh, who was the basis of the stress and the turmoil that David was going through. Now remember, David's a king and he's being uh, run out by a rebellious son. Do we realize, we do realize, if, if, if you've ever had family stress, there's few things that are harder to handle than family stress because we love our kids or relatives or whoever it is. And when there's that something that's not right, it's, it's more difficult you know, than arguments that we may have with strangers. And probably the only thing worse than family stress is church stress because we have people in our church that we're closer to than our own family members. And, you know, if something happens and people get crossways, you know, that hurts. And, you know, of course, people end up leaving churches and they get mad. And, uh, you know, but the Lord, the Lord is a healer and he could handle all that. And uh, when, when we read this third psalm, and we will get into it, but first I just want to read a little bit of the background in uh, Second. And, of course, we're not reading all the background. It would take more than one lesson just to read all the background. But in Second Samuel chapter 15... There's a couple of verses of reference here, uh, starting in verse 13. Like I said, just take my word for it. I'm reading the Bible. And uh, there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him in Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth and all of his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. Now, the reason why we're mentioning this, we're going to see this later. You know, he had to have been in a hurry and really uptight to leave the concubines behind. I mean, come on, now, maybe you women don't understand this, but men can understand, you know, I mean, he's he's concubines, this is, you know, but he left them behind, he said, you take care of the house, and I'm mentioning that because we're going to see them mentioned again later, and it just goes to show you the grievous manner in which Absalom, uh, a son, and you know... Even though we're not going to get into this now, I, I'm, I'm jumping ahead to the story when Absalom finally died and David's heart was so Absalom, my son, oh, that I would have died instead of Absalom. After all of the rotten stuff Absalom did to his father, David still loved his son. And we're, we're like that. We love our kids no matter what they do, if your kids have ever done anything bad. Okay, so over in chapter 16, I just want to read a couple of other verses. And again, this is setting the, uh, the tone. These Psalms, especially the third Psalm, it's not the only one. But this third psalm is rooted in this historical problem here of Absalom uh, chasing his father around like a coon through the woods. All right, chapter 16, 2 Samuel, verse 5. And then when King David came to Beharum, behold, thence there came out a man of the family of Saul, whose name was Shimei, son of Gerai, and he came forth and cursed still as he came. Now, I'm mentioning this. This guy sounds like he's got Tourette's or something. He's throwing stones up in the air. And he's cursing at David. And it's just it really... <laughs> Listen to this. I'm telling you, the Bible has these great stories. Uh, verse 8, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. You know, this, this is Shimei. You can't follow me, okay. Verse 8, all right, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul in whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son, and behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zorai, unto the king. I'll tell you, if you've never read this, the Bible's filled with stuff like this. Listen to this. Verse 8. Then said Abishai, the son of Zorai, unto the king. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. See, now that's something. We can identify. We're saying, Yeah! I don't know. Maybe you don't say that when you're reading the Bible, but I, I I'm shouting at the pages. Yeah, David, don't let him do that. Let that guy go take his head off. And David, but listen to this. And again, this is, this is fitting into the background of this song. And David said to Abishai and to all the servants, behold, my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be, and here, here's the key. Listen to this. It may be that the Lord will look upon mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along the hills, side over, and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. So, I mean, it sounds like things are pretty much getting out of, out of control here. And uh, I just want to jump down to, uh, uh, verse 20, yes. Actually, I'm, I'm reading in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're just giving some background, but we will be getting into Psalms number 3. But th- this is still the background, and I told you I mentioned the concubines that David left behind. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, give counsel among you. I, I'm reading verse 20 now. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred by thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. Are you following this? Absalom's going and doing this abject, disrespectful thing to his father's household, to his concubines. He's going in. You know what that means. It's not just he's going in to visit them. I mean, it's, this is a, uh, you know, very immoral, horrible thing. And he's doing it right in front of everyone. He wants everyone to see what's going on. And this is the background that causes David to write what we now have as the third psalm. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Okay, now we're finished with the historical setting. Now into the third psalm. And I feel like we need to pray again. <laughs> and you know, as you're reading and praying, uh, as you're praying while you're reading the Bible, you can stop in the middle of your Bible reading and say, Lord, Lord, help me to get this. Help me, Lord, to, for this to really hit my heart. And uh, you'll, you'll never be out of line by doing that. Okay, Psalm number three. This is what David wrote in light of what we just read. Lord, How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, and blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Now, People have debated and kicked around for years what actually Selah means. And uh, I, like everyone else, have kicked it around and wondered what it was. And it, it, it could be a musical interlude, something in, in music uh, it has to do. But more, more, there's more consensus, more general consensus on the fact that Selah probably is a phrase, a Hebrew phrase, that just means think about that. Let that sink in. Uh, I thought if I were gonna put my own explanation, it would be like this quote Mmm. Mm, mm. That's how I think about stuff when I, when I grunt and mm, 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 yeah. And uh, let it sink in. Let it sink in. The word of the Lord is uh, amazing and great. Now, now, uh, that's officially the main psalm that we wanted to do, but I did want to read the 13th psalm uh, just to add for your better This is included in the price of your admission. There will be no extra charge for you getting this extra wisdom and insight from the 13th psalm. This is included. Psalm 13, O Lord, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever, how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. So you can see here, in in both of these psalms, there's a shifting from really being bummed out to really being encouraged because of people, and it mentions in other uh, parts, we're not going to get to the scriptures, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And there's no reason why we cannot do the same thing. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord because... Uh, There are times when nobody else will do it. And nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. Nobody knew exactly how David felt. Uh, One of the most heartless and, I don't don't like to say stupid, but sometimes there's really no other way, uh, ignorant, uh, unthoughtful things, is when somebody's going through something and you say, trying to help them, I know exactly what you're going through. We know what you mean. They know what you mean. But you really don't you don't know exactly what they're going through because you're not them. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made in our own mold. There's nobody else like you, Lauren. Nobody. (laughs) I feel the same way about me. It's a good thing there's nobody else like, like me. One of us is enough. But the Lord has made us all individual and he loves us individually, and there's, there's ways that we in our individual life experience can glorify God, and it's, it's, a, it's really a glorious thing. I know a lot of these things have to be taken by faith, but mark my word, when we stand before the Lord, then you'll know what I was telling you is absolutely right. We will not say... You know, I kind of thought it was going to be better than this. No, we will glorify God. We will say, oh, God, how glorious. And, and, and the times when we say, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, we don't realize how majestic his name is. We don't realize how sufficient his grace is. And uh, every once in a while you have to have some preacher or some Sunday school teacher yell at you to try to get it across because it's really that good. He's that good good. You say, preacher, you're getting a little carried away. Can we get carried away exclaiming how good the Lord is? No, we can't. So, Psalm 3. Uh, Now we're back in Psalm 3, and we'll see what we can do about Psalm uh, 13. Uh, We know this is written when David uh, fled from Absalom. Absalom was a liar, and uh, he lied to the people. You know, he was, really, he was acting like a politician, if you look, if you read back, he was acting just like, you know, he does exactly what politicians do today. They go behind the scenes. They go, they blackball this guy. You know, they go and they put some spin out and somebody lets something leak out. It's exactly, people are the same. 3,000 years ago this happened and people are still doing the same shenanigans to try to get elected or try to become king or, or whatever it is. So that's why the Bible is so amazing because it's so up to date, even though it's been written so long ago. Now, that's for those of us that have the Bible up here. You know, there's those that have the Bible down there. They're not getting anything from it, but really, that's their problem. Now, the thing about lies, as it is with modern politics and with Absalom, uh, lies seem to get around quicker. I have a quote here from a British statement named James Callahan, and he said, quote, listen to this, a lie can be halfway around the world before the truth has got its boots on. You know how fast lies spread, and... uh, Even when people are sworn, you know, they put their hand on a Bible, man, I hope I never have to go to court because I'm going to have a problem with that. I can see the judge throwing me a job. Hey, Your Honor, but this tells me not to do that. I can see something like that. But I think you can affirm, right? Isn't that right? Pardon me while I ask my legal counsel. I can't, you can affirm without saying, I swear. swear Good. All right, good. Because I, I got a problem with that. Because this Bible tells me not to do it. So, uh, but yet people, people, they throw things out there and, and you hear them say casually and disreputable, I swear to God. And uh, you know when you hear someone saying that, they're probably lying. You know, but they, but they say this, they throw it out there and they don't realize they'll be judged for every idle word that comes out of their mouth. So, like all the lies and everything that Absalom tried to get away with, yet we see this psalm where, where David is writing and he's saying... Uh, Lord, how, how, how are they increased that trouble me? It's, it's okay for us to recite before the Lord how bad things are, because he knows how bad they are. So, well, why do we have to do that if the Lord knows how bad they are? There is some therapeutic, emotional, psychological benefit of us stating our case before the Lord. Now, if you, if you really believe the Lord hears you, which I don't think you'd be here if you didn't, but we believe the Lord hears us. And when we state our case, just like David did, and it's okay for us to model our prayers after this, Lord, and you know, for David to say, look at all these people that are against me, many which say of my soul, there is no help. Maybe you've had an experience where you've heard people say, ah, ain't nothing going to happen for you. <laughs> Where's your Jesus now? As a matter of fact, I just heard something like that. I was watching. You know, sometimes you zip through and you watch some of these sitcoms, and uh, it's amazing how there's so much disrespect and blasphemy on network TV, prime time, right now that's going on, they take the Lord's name in vain, they diss the Lord, they make fun of the name of Jesus all the time, and I remember there was someone who had, you know, had loosely alluded to having some faith, you know, the Lord's gonna work it out, and something didn't happen, they either didn't get the job, and this sarcastic one in the family said, yeah, where's Jesus now. And uh, that's, that, that's exactly the type of stuff that David was going through, and you should not be surprised if people uh, say the same disrespectful things, because they're, uh, they're dead. They're dead in trespasses and sins. They can still talk. It's a problem they can still talk. Dead people do a lot of talking, and, but they're dead in their spirits, and they have no relationship with the Lord, and they don't realize the judgment that they are heaping upon themselves with their thoughtless words as they rail against God's chosen people. Now, why should we be interested in David's prayer when he had family troubles? Well, because families are still the same. How we pray, endure, and persevere is still based on God's faithfulness. That's probably a good thing to remember. It's not your situation, how bad it is. It's how good God is and how great his faithfulness is. This is what we depend on. In the first two verses, we see him informing the Lord of what's going on. As if God needs information. We know he doesn't. This is for us. Uh, This therapeutic benefit spelling out uh, trouble in his way. Inspired psalms are good for what ails us. Now, this is the first psalm with a title. You have to have some scholarly reference here or else, you know, you wouldn't feel like you get your money's worth. But yes, this is the first psalm with a the title. The, the song is well adapted for the use of the Israelites in various kinds of distress. Now, as I was reading the background of this, uh, a psalm like this could be used for the whole nation. But it really seems to be much more personally applicable to David in his, stress, his stressful situation with his rebel son that he was going through. Hear the distress in David's voice. Many foes rising up against me. And many say there's no hope of him in God. Selah. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Think about it. Let it sink in. See, the Selahs don't only come after some high point. They also come after the low points when we're really bummed out. And we're just saying, man, actually, things are just so bad. Yeah. I'm just going to think about it. That's okay. You can think about it. Just don't stop reading the psalm. Keep on going. But hear the resounding affirmation is his words. But you, O Lord, are to shield about me my glory and the lifter of my head. Let's just stop on that for a minute. Have you ever said in your praying, Lord, you're the glory and the lifter of my head. As I was preparing for this, and I've been a Christian most of my adult life, 45 years, I've never said that. And I kind of felt bad. Why haven't I said that? The Lord has lifted my head. He is the lifter of my head. I said, what do you mean? Well, you know, when you're bummed out, you're kind of, you're you're down here. You're, my my head's hanging low. Woe is me. I didn't get the job. She doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. That's for women. That's, that's for, He doesn't love me. I don't care if he doesn't love me, frankly. <laughs> I don't even like him. <laughs> wait. wait. Uh, But the Lord is the lifter of my head. There's something about having your head lifted high and the inspired psalms will do that. If you listen, if you believe it, the lifter of my head. So usually we don't speak in language of the ancient psalmist, but we could and we should. And this won't just happen without some reaching out on our part. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. His holy hill, that's, that's another Hebrew, it's an idiom, it's a figure of speech, it's not some hill in Israel, that's some holy lump of dirt, but his holy hill is, is synonymous with heaven, with his throne in heaven. And again, here's another, Selah. Yeah, think about that. Let that sink in for a while. So notice what happens immediately after this cry of distress. I lay down and slept. Now, this doesn't sound like someone in extreme duress or anxiety. He was able to sleep in God's providential watch care. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. We have sleepless, horrible nights. And then there's the possibility that if our hearts are properly centered on the Lord, you may sleep better. It's very possible and likely that you might sleep better. I awoke again for the Lord to save me. Apparently, this good sleep gave him a fresh way to approach his situation when he said, I won't be afraid of the many thousands who set themselves against me all about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And this, I I, I know... This shouldn't be my favorite part of the psalm, but you know, there are imprecatory psalms, which officially I don't think this one qualifies. but there are imprecatory psalms where David's saying, Lord, attack my enemies, do this. But there are those psalms where we hear a righteous person like David who says something like this. All these people that are against me, arise, O Lord, you strike them on the ch- cheek. You break their teeth. That sounds a little... <laughs> Good job for dentists. <laughs> you break their teeth you do it. Not you. Lord, you do it. I know sometimes you may feel like smacking someone, but the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But here, David is venting his feelings and saying, Lord, maybe I can't go against all these people that are running me through the woods like they're hunting a coon with my rebel son, but you, you, Lord, smite them smite them on the cheek. You break their teeth. That's okay. It's okay for us to to pray like that. And uh, I wouldn't want to be smacked by the Lord. I'll tell you that. I, I, and I think if you're thinking in your right mind, you wouldn't want to be smacked by him either. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. It all ends well for those with faith in him, for those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You know I'm lifting that from the New Testament epistle to Romans. This psalm follows a simple similar outline to what we face in life. I don't know what this is, but I can tell you what this is. In the third Psalm, we have in the first two verses, I want to make sure that everybody can see this. All right, can everybody see this? Okay. In the first two verses, he tells us what he sees. Verses 3 to 6, he tells us what he believes. In verses 7 and 8, he tells us what he prays for. Isn't that genius? It's the Word of God. And it gives me a pattern. It gives me a track to run in. I can pray the same way. Lord, I can tell you what I'm seeing, but I can tell you what I'm believing. Even though what I'm seeing I don't like, I can tell you what I believe. And what I believe is that God is in control. And that already makes me feel better. Doesn't it make you feel better? So there's your uh, very simple outline. Tells us what he sees, what he believes, and what he prays for. What he saw was desperate, many against him, and telling him God won't help. What he believed is based on how God cared for him in the past. He can handle it. See, the past victories built up his confidence and enabled him to walk by faith and not lose sight. Have you ever heard the uh, little phrase, cliche, never doubt in the darkness what God has told you in the light? We get very buried in the darkness, and we tend to forget what the Lord told us in the light. And here is a reminder not to do that. Could you say indeed? Indeed. Indeed. Yes, the Presbyterian, amen. Indeed. It's really true. His past victories built up his confidence and enabled him to walk by faith and not by sight. What he prayed for was that the Lord would do for him now what he did in the past. So whether we want to pray that God smacks our enemies around and breaks some teeth, uh, it may not always be warranted, but sometimes, you know, we may feel that it is. The Lord knows when and how to take care of this business. It is his decision... If and when that happens. It's God's decision of what's happening, not our enemies. That's, this is something good to remember. God's in control. You know, we, think, you know, we tend to think, oh, oh our, our world is falling apart. The Lord's still in control. As bizarre and ridiculous as the things that we watch on the news every day and every week, things are getting so weird like we've never seen in our lifetime. And, you know, the longer some of us have been around, the more bizarre it seems. You know, we, some of us remember growing up when things were kind of normal. I mean, yeah, there were always freaks and hippies and, you know, people just letting their freak flag fly and doing everyone. There's always been that, but man, now it seems to be extremely alarming and disconcerting. But it's not these people that are controlling the show. The Lord knows exactly what's going on. And that... I felt my blood pressure go down just as I said that. So that's, (laughs) I'm not a medical professional, I really can't do that, I'm just saying, it makes me feel better. So, now there are three silas after each of these clauses in verse 2, verse 4, and verse 8. He tells the Lord what he sees, Selah. Tells the Lord what he believes, sila. And tells the Lord what he prays for, Selah. Yeah, I'm thinking about what I'm seeing. Lord, I'm asking you to think about what I'm seeing. I'm thinking about what I believe, and I'm thinking about what I'm praying for. You're either thinking about it, or you're grunting, or you're just, you're working your way through it, and this is is what we do. So, our mission, if you decide to accept it. (laughs) Some of you know what that means. Some of you are old enough. I guess everybody here is old enough to know what that means. (laughs) If you don't, you're not old enough. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to trust him until he arrives. And by the way, this will not self-destruct ever. The word of God will never. As you can see, I brought my big binoculars today. (laughs) I had the small ones last week. These are my big binoculars. I can see all the way through the end of the tribulation with these. It's a high magnification. I'm not going to do that again. You saw that last week. There's only enough time for stuff like that. So... We have these three selahs, and this musical note also includes our poetic emphasis. We already talked about thinking about it. We can think with David how bad it was and how sufficient God is and how blessings eventually are upon his people. Think about that. Now, if you'll turn over to the 13th Psalm, we'll see similar content in another short six-verse psalm. And this is a a psalm... uh, of a person who's on the verge of despair. You ever felt like that? It happens. Doesn't matter how sanctified you are, how close to the Lord you are. There are things that happen around us that really put us on the verge of despair. And you may be led, you may feel led to pray like this in the 13th Psalm. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face? from me. He's not hiding his face from us, but we feel like that. It's just the way we feel. You say, well, come on, put yourself together. That's not what you say to someone who feels like this. You don't say, yeah, smack her. come on, wake up, put yourself together. No. We compassionately say, Don, I'm with you, man. I love you. I care about you. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that, it's much more beneficial than having someone like, ah, come on, what's wrong with you? Don't you know what the Bible says? Uh, no, that's, show some compassion. You know, the Lord will never, we will never stand before the Lord and hear out of the judge of all the universe, we'll never hear out of his lips, Alan, you were too compassionate. I don't think we'll ever hear that. You can't be too compassionate. So, when people are bumming out and they're digging themselves deeper in the hole, and they say, how long wilt thou hide their, their face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? This is, this is bad. This is pretty intense here. That's, that's the first division right here. How long, how long do I have to put up with this? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death again. Here's a Hebrew idiom. This is not something we say. I mean, I've been by people's bedsides when they were close to dying in the hospital and uh, nursing homes. I've never heard someone say, I'm ready to sleep the sleep of death. It's a a Hebrew idiom because this is Hebrew poetry and there's phrases that we don't get the full-orbed sense of in our English version. And if I were a Hebrew scholar, we could spend a whole month just talking about any one of these psalms. But I'm, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I just know a little bit about a couple of things. And uh, I'm just letting you know there's, there's more to this than what meets the eye, especially when we come across a phrase like, lest I sleep the sleep of death. But you could say that. You and I could still say that. And we know what that means. Sleeping the sleep of death, that's, that's pretty clear. There's, there's not any verbal clutter there. All right, verse 4, lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. So, two short Psalms, 3 and 13, both of them have very simple outlungs. How long? his prayer for help, two verses, his reaffirmation of his trust in the Lord. And by the way, in verses 5 and 6, we have steadfast love as revealed in the covenant in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. And it also leads to our trusting and our expectation of salvation. So you could start off by bemoaning and say, oh, Lord, how long? How long do I have to go? And come on, we all have said something like this. How long do I got to put up with this? I think marriage is the crucible in which our faith is worked out. (laughs) Or maybe ground out. Because things happen interpersonally between a husband and a wife that happen between no other people. And uh, it just It's it's hard. The one of the greatest, if not the greatest Hebrew scholar, I said, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I did sit under a Hebrew scholar. He taught probably over 40 years at Dallas Seminary and uh, Bruce Waltke. He is a world renowned Hebrew scholar. And we were going through the Proverbs of one of these symposium preaching deals 20 years ago. And I got the benefit to sit under this man. I mean, he, he's reading in Hebrew out of the Proverbs and translating it in English as he's reading. I said, I've said, i never been able to do that. That's a, that, that impressed me. And, and You're just making footnotes and things, observations. That's why I can tell you how much is in here. <laughs> I can't get it out of there, but I know somebody can. I'm telling you it's in there. It's amazing, the truth that's in there. And I was sitting under this man as he was doing this. And all of a sudden, he just steps aside and he makes this statement. And I'm talking about the first verse of of Psalm 13. How long, how long? He makes this statement, and I want you to hear this. And uh, you're not going to laugh. I laughed at first, but then it kind of made me cry. He made this statement. He said, I never knew how selfish I was until I got married. Ow. Ow! That's me. You just stabbed me. Ow! <laughs> and, you know, this was a preacher's thing. Our wives weren't there with us. But I think all of us, and, and we were all, we had all gone through the same doctoral program at Gordon-Conwell, and this was after we had graduated and were already out. You know, this was just kind of a, 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 a symposium. It was a thing on preaching through the Proverbs. And, uh, but when he threw that out, I hadn't been able to get over that ever since then. It was so true. And I think about it every time. I may be saying to myself, how long, how long? And I can hear the sweet spirit of God saying, You're selfish. And when the spirit of God tells you that, You can't say, hey, now, wait a minute. You don't understand. (laughs) No, he understands. He knows. He knows how bad we are, and it's amazing. Oh, Lord, you know how bad I am, and I don't know why I'm still here. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? People in every situation of life are going to feel like this once in a while. And uh, when you do, we have a prayer for help and a reaffirmation in our trust in the Lord. That is, if you've ever trusted in the Lord. And we would heartily recommend that you do that. Look at this prayer as we're winding this thing down. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep. sleep. Now, I, I, I mentioned this already. I don't want to spend too much time on this. But you've got to feel really bad if you feel like you, your, your situation is going to kill you. Unless I sleep the sleep of death. I'm, I'm going to tell you, after 40-plus years of working with couples, and, uh, you know, of course, 40 years, that puts me back where I was too young to even know what some of these people were going through. But they came to me as a pastor thinking that I knew. <laughs> and I just pointed them to a Bible verse, and I said, I don't know, but <laughs> apparently David does. <laughs> and that's sometimes the best, the best we can come up with. But that's good enough. You don't want to hear what I have to say anyway. We want to hear what the word of the Lord says. This is where our confidence and our assurance and our trust and everything that's going to uphold you is right here. This is what will keep you from being so bummed out and depressed that you could say something like, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him. And I want to remind you again, I think I already said this, it's not your enemies that are running the show. The Lord providentially allows us to go through things to strengthen us, to build character. Blessed is the man who endureth trial, temptation, for when he is tried, not if he's tried, and I'm paraphrasing from James, you know, James chapter 1. For when he is tried, everybody's going to go through it, he's going to come forth like gold. So the Lord knows what he has in mind for you. And in the meantime, uh, we just have to uh, persevere and keep going. Like the old black preacher said, when God sends you tribulation, he expects you to tribulate. <laughs> so, <laughs> tribulate. <laughs> I don't think it's a real word, but uh, black preachers can get away with that. I, I tried to preach like a black preacher. It's a, <laughs> I might as well be out there on the dance floor trying to dance. I, I can't do that either. So, <laughs> but I know I can't, so I'm not even going to try. And I don't try to preach like them either. So, on the verge of despair, and David being uh, persecuted by his own son, and uh, it's real life, folks. What we will see in these psalms, and of course, we're not the same. I've I've picked a couple of different psalms that have different aspects and views of everything. But there's a psalm in here for you, for whatever what you're going through. If you're blessed. Or stressed, there's a psalm for you. If you're sad or you're mad, there's a psalm for you. You're not going to go through all these in one day, but you will experience them. You'll, you'll ebb and flow and go from one to another in different things and different family situations, different interpersonal situations, things we go through, even in church, even with people that go to other churches. I want to be more Christ-centered when it comes to my fellowship that I have with people from other churches. Because it seems to be our uh, tendency, and this goes for everybody in every different church. The Baptists feel like this, the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, the Methodists, they all have their own little you know, bastion of doctrine. Ah, this is the way it is. We believe the Bible. And everybody's saying the same thing. We believe the Bible. And, uh, but all of us have very similar Christologies. In other words, we pretty much believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and most of us, and we hope most of us, believe he was born of a virgin and raised from the dead. And, you know, there are those on the liberal side that have, uh, you know, the Bible's either down there or else they got it on their own head level where they're saying, ah, I'm not so sure I could believe that. But uh, that doesn't change the fact that he did all those things and he is all those things, and he's totally sufficient for whatever, whatever we're going through. So, does anybody have any questions about any of this? What was the name of the What Mission Impossible? Yes. Your mission. Should you decide to accept it. I, I, I think about that a lot because there's so many instances in Scripture where, you know, the Lord says, you know, do this. And uh, we have in our... <laughs> Makeup in our psychological, mental, emotional being, what we are at that time, whatever that composite makes us, uh, we are uh, either going to say, yes, I'm going to believe the Bible, I'm going I'm to take on this mission, and I'm going to believe God, or else we could say, no, I'm mad. I'm mad at the Lord. And, and I used to feel like I had to step in and defend. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't get mad at the Lord. <laughs> Does the Lord need me to defend him? I think he can handle it. You little speck of dust out there that's uh, (laughs) screaming, (laughs) you're dust. It's not very self-affirming. I know this is not a Robert Schuler message, certainly not a Joel Osteen message, but you're dust. And the Lord remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. And we're not trying to put anybody down. We just want you to have a realistic estimation of what we really are. We're dust saved by the grace of God. And it's dust unto dust until you learn to trust. Yes, we had to had to have that. So, uh, I find great uh, help and benefit, and by the way, I, I, I love having this opportunity to stand before you for this 40 some odd minutes and uh, uh, preach about this, teach about this, because the preparation that I do really does something for me. And uh, I hope that whatever spills over, will also do something for you. And uh, there's your outlines. Tells us what he believes, what he sees, what he believes, what he prays for. Here's another one. How long? A prayer for help. Reaffirmation of trust in the Lord. And we got to come back to this. Where else are you going to go? I love that. One of my favorite verses is as Jesus was getting closer to the cross and all these people. If the, imagine the thousands that he fed fish and chips bonanza. where they never ran out of food. I mean, <laughs> just Jesus kept making more and more. <laughs> and yet they all left. The closer Jesus got to the cross, and he finally turns to the 12 and says, well, how about you? Are you going to leave too? And Peter, being the spokesman for the bunch, and I love Peter, short-tempered, cussing fisherman, <laughs> I can identify with Peter. He said, Lord, where are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. And really, where else are we going to go? Where else could we go? To find such a loving compassionate savior you're not going to find help like this in your horoscope i'll tell you that there's nothing in there superstitious tommy rot is what it is it's, it's a theological word tommy rot it's not good sounds like some kind of sickness running sores or some tommy rot that's what it is but that's what the horoscope is in all superstition and pagan idolatry that is not founded and firmly rooted in the word of god Amen. Indeed. Anything else? No other questions? We're about through. Yes? as we consider what go- i'm repeating what you're saying so that people, as we consider what's going on in the world right um i think i tend to go and maybe i jump over trust because i go straight to God what do you want me to do right you know and so i'm missing a big part in there. yeah and trust and trust I is the bridge trust him, but i'm going straight to what am i supposed to do? yeah and that's that's by the way skipping over trusting in the lord and what that's part of our Western, Aristotelian, American individualism. I'll fix this. Just tell me what i got to do. And uh, there are things in this life that you just can't fix. You just can't make it right. You have to trust in the Lord because there's things that you just can't. uh, And I can tell you this, you know, many of you know the grief that our family has been living with for 14 months now. Trusting in the Lord is all we have. It really is. It's horrible. The worst thing we've ever lived through. But God's grace is sufficient. And his trust. I've leaned on Isaiah uh, 26.3 like I never have before in my life. That that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Stayed. Fixed. Attached. Isaiah 26.3 that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And I I'm, you know, I mean, of, of, of all of what's explained in the Psalms that we can read over, and, uh, and most of the time we're superficially reading. I told you. We're, we're flying. We're flying over the Psalms. It's like we're flying over a mountain range and just pointing out the, the glaciers and the, and the mountain peaks. We're, we're flying over these Psalms and just pointing out a couple of things. But in mixing metaphors here we're also walking through them and just picking up the gems that are so close to the surface yes sister the seal the yeah giving and hey Oh, sister, you preaching now. You hitting the nail right on the head. If we don't shut up, and and, and we, we do that. We come before the Lord. My name is Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. And we, we get right to the prayer request, and we don't ever shut up. And uh, it doesn't sound nice. I've, I've heard people say, don't ever say shut up when you're preaching. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, describing people as stupid is very harsh and... and uh, you know, may, may not sound very polished, but uh, there's a lot of stupid people out there. Unless you shut up and, and you think about it. Amen. I want to say, see, La, to what she just said. Yes. that you're going to be productive amen don't listen to the world listen to the lord heavenly father thank you lord for these inspired prayers of wisdom that you give us a track to run in lord that we can seek your face and help us lord to shut up long enough to think about what you've told us guide our steps i pray lord in jesus name we agree together amen amen Thank you.